Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. So this is part two of our post office series. In our last um, episode, we talked to Hillary Miller, who is the scholarly communications librarian for VCU libraries. And she talked to us about copyright of postage stamps, which was really cool. Apparently, I can't be on one till I'm president or dead or some combination thereof. (laughs) Actually, presidents also have to be dead. but I'm thinking this presidency thing is looking better and better to me because I can do all kinds of stuff when I'm president. However, uh, that is not the point of this podcast. That is just now everybody knows my my um, secret ambitions, except not so secret. But I have some questions for you, Augie, because I know that you have studied the post office and I know you know all things. So I'm going to ask you some stuff. Hillary stayed with us, so she's here in the room as well in case she wants to set us straight about something if we get it wrong. Um, why do we have a federal post office? What's the what? Who cares about the post? <laughs> I mean, I care clearly. But yeah, because you still mail stuff. I still mail stuff, but I'm the only person. Me and Amazon are the only, and I, me and Jeff Bezos, the only thing we have in common is that we use the post office. Um, we're on the planet together, and we exactly, use the post and office. we're both breathing. Yes, that's, right. that's that's. Yeah. But anyway, what what's the history of the post office in the sense of where does the post office come into play in? in sort of the American government history. Okay, so if you think about the post office today, um, so much of it is um, uh, the delivering of packages. You mentioned Amazon, et cetera. Or uh, as Hillary mentioned in uh, the previous episode uh, of the podcast um, about, you know, commemorative stamps and, you know, uh, in, in people who want to either get on them like you or, you know, people who buy them because, the, you know, these are really cool, et cetera. But in the history of the United States, the idea of the post office was to go ahead and connect the country economically. So the the huge concern of many of the founding fathers was, how do you connect the either regions of the country or the states uh, economically? Because the big concern among many of the founders was that, okay, so we're no longer part of the uh, British British colonial empire. So how do we go ahead and pull together states that in many ways weren't all that similar or weren't all that interested in working with one another? Georgia and Pennsylvania had drastic different views views on on the world. world. Yeah, yeah. See see the Constitution if you're wondering about that. Yeah, so for for many of the founders, the thought was you create a post office to go, go ahead and help unify the country. You bind the country together economically. Um, and you probably see pro- uh, the, the clearest representation of this uh, first with the Federalists. I mean, because their basic argument in the Constitution, in part, was uh, some of the deficiencies of the government post-Revolutionary War was this hyper-competitiveness among the states economically, and it was hurting the country. Uh, you know, Great Britain you know, thought that there was a good chance that they would regain the colonies after the Revolutionary War because we were hurting ourselves. The French were waiting 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> so we have so, vultures no, offshore sure, 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 just right. waiting for us to fail. Oh, of course. Um, and well, I mean, and revolution often fails. Yes. Right? Like that's yes. It regularly fails more than it yeah. than it actually works. And then you have countries who who, who, who wait to who, step you know, in. Yeah. Who pick up the pieces afterwards and say, you know, hey, we're going to bring order to the chaos that was created by the revolution. Um, so the idea behind the post office was, um, if you mentioned Georgia and Pennsylvania. So, you know, hypothetically, you know, if uh, Georgia farmers grow something and uh, Pennsylvanians want whatever they have grown, whether it be, you know, peanuts or cotton or whatever the case may be, well, how do you get that good to the consumers in Pennsylvania? Um, well, I mean, you don't hop in your truck yeah. and drive there. Yeah, because okay. in you know in eight, because in 18th century you know America, um, you know our transportation transportation system was basically in many ways non-existent. Right? I mean, other than you know waterways, how were you going to get you know goods from one place to the next? So the thought was, if you create a, po- a post office, and the primary, if you will, method of delivering anything was by horseback, well, the government then would, in many ways, subsidize this new economy. I mean, if you think about capitalism, capitalism was the new economy in the 18th century. So that was the primary logic behind the post office. It wasn't so that you could go ahead and, you know, talk to grandma, okay, you know. (laughs) Let's send Although that's a nice side benefit, benefit. Yes, right? right? Is that it allowed people to move further away from their families? I mean, until then, people. <laughs> sorry, that didn't come out right, did it? Wow. Um, sorry, mom. I love you. Um, the the but it allowed people to move like to cities to get jobs and do different things or to different parts of the country where land was more available or whatever. You could still be in touch with loved ones. Sure. I mean, it, it helped so with... So there is some of that still, right? Yeah, I mean, there's so, still some of that sort of, hey, we can expand and still stay in touch. Yeah, so historians and sociologists have all identified the fact that the post office in many ways um, uh, helped create or helped aid in the uh, migratory, if you will, um, patterns of the United States. Um, you know... Oh, Pony Express, go out west because we'll be able to send you letters. From, yes, right. And packages from home will be able to send you, well, yeah, probably but, not Godiva chocolates. Sorry, I went immediately <laughs> to sending you Godiva chocolates. I don't know what that's about. Okay, but, but anyway. But, okay, but you talked about the westward expansion in the United States. One of the ways that the westward expansion was supported was by the Pony Express. I mean, if you're going to go ahead with you know, um, a couple hundred other people and move out west and create a community. On one hand, you want to move west, right? You know, you, <laughs> you, 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 know, you want the, the, the land that was available or, you know, you want to get away from uh, a, a city or you, you want to uh, spark out on, uh, on your own and create a different religious community. But so on one hand, you want to be away. On the other hand, how do you go ahead and support that community if you don't have access to, you know, you know, basic goods and services that you will need to create that community? Well, you know, the Pony Express helps with that. And the government made an affirmative, if you will, obligation by creating the post office. Uh, that was one of the one of the initial cabinet positions 
uh, which, you know, Postmaster General, and we still have that position today. I know I'm eyeing it. Yeah. Right. I'm eyeing it on my way to the White House because <laughs> I'm Postmaster General. Right. I would like being a general without actually having to serve in the, mil- in the military and the armed forces. Because it would be, I'm probably less likely to get killed being Postmaster General than I'm any other kind of general. You, you have spoken in previous uh, podcasts uh, your desire to uh, run the Department of Defense, <laughs> which is populated with a whole bunch of generals. Uh, the U.S. Attorney General, okay. Yeah, I like general. Yours. I like the way it sounds. Yes. General Nia. Yes. Doesn't that sound good? That sounds good to me. They're more than likely going to go ahead and say General Rogers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that kind of first name um, informality. is it's for Beyonce, not for me. <laughs> right? Because if she was general, we'd just call her General Beyonce. That's, I would, that's what I would call her. Actually, I'd call her ma'am. Um, okay. So, so, so you have the post office as this connective thing, which it sounds to me like that never changed because I remember hearing about my grandmother getting the Sears catalog, sure. right? Which was you ordered things through the Sears catalog, which was by mail. You ordered by mail shoes and you ordered all kinds of stuff. I mean, the, the, the stuff you couldn't make or grow for yourself. And I grew up in rural North Carolina and, and she grew up in rural uh, Virginia. And so the only sort of connection to the big ticket, ooh, big city items was to get that giant catalog and then order from that, which is part of, I guess, what you're talking about with that continuing on with the commerce. And now we have Amazon. I mean, it's sort of come through all the way to modern times. Yeah, the, the U.S. Post Office in many ways is a remarkable federal government institution because it has changed as the nation's economy has changed. So if... When it was first created, you're talking about a largely agrarian-based economy in the United States. Um, with like 97% it, farmers or something. Or, right? Yeah. And now it's like exactly the reverse. reverse There's like 3% farmers. farmers. Yeah. But then when industrialization hit, right? So many thought that the U.S. Post Office um, would kind of sort of lose its value because um, when industrialization hit – you began to see a change in the transportation system of the country. So instead of, you know, bridges and canals over waterways, and instead of the use of, of, of horseback and carriages, you saw the rise of railroads. So many thought that, you know, the, post, uh, the U.S. Postal Service um, may not have as much of, of, a, you know, of a need. There, was a, there wouldn't be as much of a need. But the remarkable thing is... Um, the change in the trans- transportation system uh, made it easier for the post office to go ahead and do its work. So it was, you know, faster to go ahead and deliver mail. It was, <laughs> and, and, and again, the post office in some ways, um, you know, made calculated decisions in regards to these changes in the transportation system. So the post office, uh, you know, as transportation changed, so did it. And then think about, automobiles right i mean even today oh, postal trucks there you go right so i mean who even, doesn't want to drive a postal truck i mean even today right um you know mail is delivered okay in trucks okay the and and except in rural areas in somebody's car yeah right because yeah there because, are no trucks out there so they're yeah, like oh I mean, you own a car here yeah, sit I mean, on the wrong side yeah it's not cost and efficient drive yeah, on the yeah, wrong side and yeah. put the mail in the boxes yeah and, i mean it's not cost efficient to go ahead and have a fleet of postal trucks in you know 
a town that has you know maybe you know five ten thousand people on the other hand the the postal service has changed in regards to its points of emphasis um so you talked about uh your grandmother receiving you know the sears catalog or the jc penny catalog and again i grew up in a rural town and i remember when we would get those catalogs in the mail so you know almost immediately you know, people in the family start identifying the pages to where, you know, things that <laughs> oh, they wanted. dog-eared within an inch of its existence, right? Just, yeah. Okay, and so, but again, so much of that was, okay, we are going to be getting Christmas presents, and who's going to deliver them to the house to be wrapped before your parents lied to you and say that there was, you know, <laughs> Santa Claus, right? Uh, I'm sorry, oh. okay. You are my childhood killer. <laughs> Everything about my childhood you destroy eventually. Yeah. I'm not telling you anything else about my childhood. Yeah, I've already destroyed Schoolhouse Rock for I you. Oh, and now Santa. <laughs> you are horrible. Okay. But but, but the, that all got delivered by the Postal post Service. Office. Of course, right? I mean, because... That's true. I didn't even think about that, that Christmas... Pre- you'd have to wait, pounce on the postman, <laughs> and hide that stuff before your kids got home from school. School, that's, that's right. Okay, so... Otherwise, they'd know, and that wouldn't be very secretive at all. Well, and also think about how important the post office has been in regards to the dissemination or the inculcation of cultural values and norms. So just to give you an example, during World War One. The U.S. Postal Service had discretion over what kinds of mailings and pamphlets uh, could be sent out by political groups. So the Postmaster General in the 19-teens decided that the country, as it was ramping up its uh, World War I effort, didn't need to receive information from socialist or communist organizations. So that information was never delivered. And And we actually have court cases about this, okay, where the authority of the Postmaster General was challenged simply because the United States Congress had deferred to the Postmaster General. Is this good stuff for, you know, (laughs) Americans, patriotic Americans? Okay, should they be reading this? Okay. Well, and then later you get porn, right? Porn being sent across state lines turned into huge court cases with... Whether the post office should be delivering there, and can they refuse to deliver that, and and not if it's paid for, and if it's wrapped properly, and all that. I mean, as long as it's, it's not wrapped in, I mean, as long as it's not openly uh, available, well, exhibited, right? I mean, because, thank you, exhibited. Yeah, I mean, because there's actually. Uh, but if you get it in a brown paper wrapping, I mean, that's how uh, male members of my family in childhood got the. <laughs> Playboy Boy, was that it came uh, seriously? It came wrapped in a round, like and, brown and, paper bag kind of thing. And that was a regulation of the United States Postal Service. Okay, and, uh, uh, makes sense. I mean, okay. that and, would and, for and, some carriers that would be really offensive to see and, and, the covers or the insides of those magazines. So that makes sense to me. I mean, especially this, in the rural South, uh, we had a very nice, slightly older lady who delivered our mail for years. I don't think she would have cared for that very much at all if she had dropped one and it fell open to one of those rather alarming pictures and, and or alarming for her. There is a well-known Supreme Court case uh, in the late 60s, Stanley versus Georgia, um, uh, where the Supreme Court said uh, what you do in the privacy of your own house in regards to the possession of pornographic material is constitutionally protected. But the court made it very clear the government can regulate the sale and distribution 
Okay. Oh, and post office would be distribution. distribution. And there's, you know, the Ooh, post office. Dashed is, clever of the court. Yes. It's like the Supremes know what they're doing. <laughs> well, it does create a bizarre. Quite a bit of the time. Well, it creates a kind of sort of bizarre dichotomy, which my students, when we deal with that case in class, always point out. So you can, it can be illegal to go ahead and go out and buy it or have it mailed. But once you get it into your house... I'm like, yeah, you're gold. And, and, you all this, to, and their eyes just get huge. You have to get there in the most secretive <laughs> way, way possible. possible. But once you get it, yeah, and, you can't and, be arrested once it's in your house. That's right. Okay. But, I mean, think about all that's the— That's ridiculous. It is, it is ridiculous. In okay. In case anybody was wondering. Okay. And, and, <laughs> but, but, again, it, it speaks to the impact in the authority that the post office has— uh, and it has had throughout our country's history um, in, you know, major segments of American life from uh, the, the rise of the economy or new economies or making sure economies do work um, to uh, expounding cultural values, norms, etc. I mean, because for the longest time, people didn't buy stuff online, okay, for you younger listeners Okay. Yes, there was a time before the internet, <laughs> right? Where you couldn't just go on Amazon <laughs> and buy one of those and three of these and seven of these in different colors. I mean, yeah. that's okay. And you it, know, people and now say, oh, "I'll just get it on Amazon," and and I do have a moment, brief moment, where I think, remember when you had to work for that? Remember when you had to actually go to a yeah. three or four stores and well, try to find uh, yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, because you basically had two choices. Okay, either you went to uh, a physical bricks and mortals mortar store okay and bought something or you okay ordered it from a catalog right and you and you got whatever the catalog oh, had yeah, that's like, right there yeah. wasn't 17 different mm, yes. colors of it and there weren't 45 different brands of it there was that you okay. get that and if you didn't live in a big city that would have many stores that you could possibly visit what you were left with was the mail order catalog. So you received a lot, you know, you purchased a lot of things in the mail. Um, and again, you know, for our listeners who, you know, born and raised in big cities, you're like, you know, what are they talking about? Okay, do, do understand. <laughs> oh, in, 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 even now in Montana, people get their drugs. Like they order from online pharmacies. Yes. And that's yeah. delivered by the post office. Yeah. yeah. So these are people who live in these small towns. I shouldn't say just Montana. It's small towns all over the nation. Sorry, I'm not picking yeah. on Montana. Montana's lovely. Big sky. Um, there's a big sky everywhere, but whatever. Apparently it's really big in Montana. But they they order those drugs. That's the only way they can get them delivered yeah. because they don't have a pharmacy. They don't have a hospital. They don't have a clinic. And that's life-altering. If the post office didn't deliver that stuff... And, and again, this speaks to why we still have a post office today, right? Because, well, I mean, because, you know, one of the arguments for getting rid of the post office, and you see this arise post-World War II, the nation's economy expands, booms, etc., right? You know, many people argued, well, we have plenty of private sector competitors who deliver packages, goods, et cetera, right? So, you know. FedEx, ex- DHL, uh, UPS. Okay, et cetera. So, you know, why do we have. Those are the three big ones, but there's know, a bunch of others. You know, why do we have, we still have a postal service, right? 
Well, in part because the Postal Service is obligated to go ahead and deliver mail to all parts of the country. I mean, that's part of their right. ch- that's that's part of their charge. UPS wouldn't make money delivering to some tiny town in rural Arkansas and, and, when they're just delivering to two people. That's right. They they wouldn't make enough money that so the market would say, well, then we're just not going to deliver to that place. That's right. And that means those people wouldn't get whatever it is they're having delivered. Which, if you're not getting the latest shoes, is fine. But if you're not getting, you know, your drugs for your blood pressure or whatever it else is that you're getting, that's a big deal. That's Yes. Okay. And, and it, so when the movement occurred to make the United States Postal Service a government corporation, uh, and, and, and Hillary mentioned this in the previous podcast, the United States Postal Service is what's known as a government corporation. Is that what happened in 78? Is or did that happen before that? Yeah, it, roughly, yeah. Okay, so that's what ha- that's the copyright switch is when it becomes its own corporation? Yeah, okay. Okay. So when it becomes – the government has this type of agency, okay? Uh, and, and, again, it's not in the Constitution. So, I mean, if you looked anywhere in the Constitution, it would be like, well, where's this government corporation status? It doesn't exist, right? I mean, it's like an independent regulatory commission. There's no mention of an independent regulatory commission like the Food and Drug Administration in the Constitution, right? We've kind of sort of created it to fit the needs of modern times, right? So we have government corporations. In addition to the United States Postal Service, we have things like uh, Amtrak, right? I mean, why do we have Amtrak? Well, in part because the private sector doesn't have uh, passenger uh, rail lines, um, that many people in the country want or and or need. So the government steps in and says, okay, we're going to do this. But we don't want to provide it ourselves. So we create a corporation, okay? The government's created a corporation to still meet this need. So the post office is in that kind of sort of nebulous category. It's a government corporation. It is... Uh, tasked with raising its own revenue, by and large, and to cover all of its expenditures. The post office, the, the Postal Service can't go to Congress and say, hey, we ran a deficit of $350 million. Can you all help us out? <laughs> no. Can you throw some change <laughs> yeah, my sure, way? Right, yeah, hey, right. man, shake one of those cups. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, you know, brother, can you spare a dime? No, they can't go to Congress and make that kind of claim. So they. Well, apparently, though, they can sell. Okay. They can sell stamps for billions and then have to pay millions because they jack that up. But but okay, so see, see earlier podcast. Yeah, right. So so if you look at the revenue stream of the United States Postal Service, right? So you got stamps. And uh, as you know, Hillary mentioned in the previous podcast, you know, stamps by and large just cover the post office's costs of delivering mail. Do all pieces of mail need a stamp? No because there are categories of mail. So, you know, you have uh, uh, category two, category three, you know, uh, and I can't remember what category junk mail's in, right? <laughs> but but businesses use it as advertising because it is cheaper for them in many ways to send out the junk mail than it is to pay for advertising in other media or other fora, right? So it may be cheaper for them to go ahead and send out a bulk mailing than it is to buy advertising time 
on a, a TV network, a local TV network, or to buy advertising on Facebook or um, you know, or, or a radio station or radio program. So well, and almost all of that also involves a coupon, right? Because it gets yes, you in the building. building. Yes. Under the theory that the, once you're there, you'll buy other stuff, stuff or you'll spend more money than the coupon is worth. And again, it's and, and, and relatively it's, cheap for them to send, right? Because that's done by weight, isn't it? Yes. Like I bring 400 tons of this yes. mailer, and you put it in everybody's mailbox, and three quarters of them get thrown away, but one quarter of them. Well, draws actually, people into the store. Yeah, because you know, there are still people who will go ahead and open every single piece of junk mail, ever you know, ever fly. Do ever. not look at me with judgy eyes. <laughs> Do not look at me with your judgy eyes. You know, every flyer. Yes. Okay, et, et yes. Cetera, right? What if it's interesting? Yeah. You never know. You never know, right? Um, what? How is it that members of Congress don't have to pay for their mail? What's up uh, with that? Uh, well, it's called the franking privilege. Okay. Franking? Yes. Tell me that's a person. No, oh. I, and, and I don't know the origin, but it's not related to a person. There oh, was, that's there too were, bad, because it's some guy named Frank there wasn't who a, just was like, I'm not going to pay for this. You no, just guys have to send it. Oh, no, it's no, not no, like no. that. Okay. No, but, but that means that congresspersons don't have to, for the flyers that they send out, they don't have to put the, the, postage stamps on the, there. That's right. They don't have to. Uh, the po- and, the, and the post office knows this because the post office collects all that material from members of Congress and then sends it on out. But interestingly, uh, members of Congress uh, have decreased their use of franking privilege because they recognize that many American voters today don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. I know. I see your judgy <laughs> eyes. I I do, but I know that I'm a freak. I also like my postal office. Like I like my local office. I like the people who work there. They're very nice. They're very friendly. They're very helpful. So I have a very positive view of and we'll post, get, and, and which we, I know is and we'll mutantly get, strange. Well, we, we will get to physical post offices in just a moment. There's like one last point that I wanted to go ahead and make about the modern United States Postal Service, right? So many people, including member, many members of Congress, have said we ought to do away with the post office. Right? Yeah, down with those people. Okay, because again— Not while I'm Postmaster General, they won't. <laughs> okay, fair, fair. I'll raise an army. <laughs> We you, have trucks. I'm just saying, don't make us show up in our trucks with because, our uniforms. Because and, you are a general. And yes. throw mail at you, because yes. we will. <laughs> yes, right. We will run you over with our nice little postal trucks. Okay? That's right. And we will ninja throw mail at you. <laughs> yes, right. Anyway. And again, the argument is, why replicate what already exists in the private sector? Okay, but we've already talked about how the Postal Service does deliver mail and provide functions that more than likely the private sector would not want to do because it wouldn't be cost efficient, right? I mean, again, you know, with the example of, you know, delivering mail to uh, a small town in, um, you know, New Hampshire or Montana or Wyoming, I mean, you know, it would not be a profit maker for many private sector corporations. So the United States Postal Service today is, like any corporation, supposed to make money. And we hear every year that the post office is in the red. Yes, it's, the post office runs a deficit, okay. which apparently Amazon did for the first 15 years of its existence. So you can do that as a corporation, but it seems like it's getting a little long in the tooth for the for the post office to continue having done it since that's been, okay. But uh, if I'm doing the math right, 40 years. Okay, but here's the deal. With the post office, the reason why it looks like 
it's running a deficit is because the United States Postal Service is the only corporation in the United States that is required by federal law to have enough money on hand to cover current and future pension liabilities. It's the only corporation. And they're, Whoa, they we, can't cancel their they, employees' pension. No, I need to be Postmaster General. <laughs> that is job security right there. But I so I see. So there so all a lot of their so, money, a lot of their profit goes back into that then. Because yes. seventy five years is a long time. Or you know And it's a huge service. I mean there's a lot of people so who work there. On the you know uh, on paper, it looks like the post office is or the Postal Service is running a huge deficit. In reality, more than likely, and again, <laughs> discussed in the previous podcast, um, we really don't know because like any corporation, they have broad categories of revenue streams and expenditure streams. So we don't actually have that good of a handle on, okay, is the post office making money or not making money in a given fiscal year? We generally know that more Americans are not uh, mailing stuff. So demand for stamps, with the exception of commemorative stamps, is not generating as much money. So the post off, or the postal service has become quite competitive in regards to delivering packages. And they will cut deals with um, uh, online vendors like Amazon, etc., where uh, many of uh, many of those operations, many of those individual transactions don't make a lot of money, but they want the contract. They want Amazon to use them, okay? Well, because in the aggregate, they, they do, do make, make money. money. Okay. okay, but the individual transaction. So, you know, if, if, Nia, you go ahead and buy, you know, three or four books on Amazon and you want them by next week, more than likely the, uh, the U.S. Postal Service isn't going to make a lot of money on you. But if a half a million you know, Americans do what you just did, okay, more than likely the United States Postal Service is going to start making money, right, because their contract with Amazon is based on volume, the number of transactions plus the volume of the goods actually being delivered to people's houses. Well, and if Amazon was, again, delivering to small towns in Arkansas, the, they would by necessity have to charge more for that for those things, or they would lose money. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. and one of their deals is that they don't charge that much money for their stuff, right? So your dollar t your dollar fifty t shirt, if you live in a certain part of the nation, becomes a five dollar t shirt. You won't buy from Amazon, but if it stays at a dollar fifty, no matter where it's being delivered, then it's in Amazon's best interest to have that contract with somebody who's going to go there anyway because they're mandated by the federal government to go there. So when, you know, for instance, you have the choice of uh, enrolling in Amazon Prime, and if you do Amazon Prime, then almost all your shipping becomes what? Free. Free, right? Well, how does that make sense for Amazon? It only makes sense for Amazon if they go ahead and work out a deal with companies that deliver packages, okay, in regards to volume of and location, cost, etc., and that's, oh, well, yeah, because if they deliver 500 packages to the same apartment building, that's right. That didn't cost very much money, relatively speaking, because you still have one carrier, one truck, and, one and, whatever. And you think about the fact that the United States Postal Service is mandated by Congress to deliver mail in every town, every community. 
okay, UPS, you know, um, you know the other private sectors, you know, uh, vendors, companies. They don't. They're not. So they would charge Amazon an arm and a leg. <laughs> there you go. To do that last chunk. So. So it's in the post office best interest and Amazon's best interest to work together. Of course. So it it's kind of a fundamental lack of understanding to just say we should just get rid of this thing. Yeah, and 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 again. Who uses the post office? Turns out millions of people. People do. But they don't know they're doing that. Uh, that's right. And and again. The, the the postal service, like many government agencies or entities, even as a government corporation, they're not all that good at educating the public as to all the good that they do, right? Well, yeah. They okay. Are. I mean, and, and again, through if, rain and sleet <laughs> and whatever, mm-hmm. there's like a whole thing, right? I yes. can't remember what the thing is, but they the, deliver in every weather and they walk across the desert with no shoes shoes. on. And I mean, they do all kinds of stuff to bring you your mail. That's right. Okay. So, which is cool. We we have that. They really don't like to suspend service. They do occasionally, but they're. No, they don't. They don't don't really seem to like that very much because one of their things is sort of we are stalwart and we will deliver this to you wherever you are. You're hanging off the side of a cliff. We'll be down in a minute. Yeah. In in many ways, as we've discussed in previous podcasts, they are almost the stereotypical government civil servant. Right. Okay. I'm just a guy delivering the mail. That's right. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not here making billions. I'm not here making horrible decisions that are going to make your life terrible. I'm just here delivering the mail. That's right. And we will show up in really crappy weather and deliver the mail. We will go ahead and deliver the mail, even though you have a yappy dog that wants to rip off our leg, right? <laughs> but we will also <laughs> knock on the door if we know there's an old person living there and check to make sure they're, they're okay. okay. That happens a lot in rural communities. That's right. The rural community I grew up in, the post, the postal lady knocked on the door of our our old folks in town just to make sure that they would, she'd hear them call from the inside, oh, I'm okay, or hello, or whatever, and she would know they were okay, because that's an important function and for many Americans, of that kind yeah. of and for many service. Americans, that's that's the only government official they may even have interaction with. That's true. It's the post postal person. I mean, because think about how many government functions now you can completely do online and never have contact with a human being, right? From re, you know getting and renewing a driver's license to getting passport. A passport. You don't have to see a person to get a passport. Okay. Unless you're, uh, yeah, you some some outstanding issues. issues. Yeah, right. But I mean, but the mail gets delivered every day, with the exception of holidays and Sundays. That's right. Okay. So one of the things that you and I've talked about is, um, in, in this kind of flows from what we just got done discussing is, you know, the importance of the post office beyond commercial economic transactions. There has been a huge push in the last 15 to 20 years to um, uh, get rid of, of uh, 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 a large number of post offices uh, that are no longer cost efficient, right? You know, because, you know, why do we need post offices when we have now multiple generations of Americans who do everything online, right? Um, and the uh, Postal Commission that runs the corporation has, you know, studied this at length, come up with lists, submitted lists to Congress, and Congress has to sign off on this, okay? And Congress almost inevitably denies, rejects every single one of their post office closings on the list. Not in my district. 
Not in my district. You're not closing that in my district. Okay, because... Because I will hear about it. That's right. My old constituents and, um, and it, my grumpy constituents and my constituents who don't like any change at all are all going to say, what are you doing with my post office? Yeah, and by the way, uh, the, the people that Nia just described are the ones who tend to vote. <laughs> They are the ones, and they're vocal. Yes, those people are vocal. vocal, and they will communicate. Okay, and even if they're communicating with technologies that are two or three generations prominent, okay, <laughs> i.e., mail, or how about this, rotary phones, um, they're gonna, they will communicate, and they will make the lives of, in particular, the representatives in the House of Representatives, very, very unpleasant, right? You know, well, it's like military bases. Nobody wants a military base cut in their district either because you will hear about it. You yes. will hear about it not only from the people who serve in the military there, but also from all of the surrounding industry, right? All the— That derive their— Their, their income, income from, from that, that from that, those folks. So, yeah. I mean, similar—post offices—the post office, in at least in some towns, or if, from my— from my childhood, do not destroy it, um, is that's also a place where people meet and they talk and they like there's a social and cultural aspect to the to a small town post office. If you want to get to know a small town, that's where you go hang out. You go and you stand in the post office because everybody comes through at some point. Yeah. Sociologists have studied how post offices in small towns have replaced courthouses as the meeting place for the public um, yeah. because in many small towns now um, uh, you don't have courthouses the courthouse is usually in the, the county seat the yeah, county seat. yeah the, the, the county seat so but in small towns where's the place where they go and because increasingly Americans are not members of organized religious uh, um, uh, faiths or groups and they're not attending church as much uh, what was it the pew family trust um, uh, in a poll last year went ahead and concluded that for the first time since they've been doing polling less than 50 percent of americans say that they regularly attend attend church service so what has replaced church courthouse as a meeting place for a community and if you live in a large city, you're like, well, you know, hey, that's not, a, not, not as important because I'm always running into people. But in small towns, okay, there's got to be some place for them to meet. And the place where they frequently meet is the post office. And when I teach public policy and we discuss government corporations and we get into this discussion about, you know, should we still have the United States Postal Service? Um, I share the anecdote, and it's very much like what you just described, Nia, and that is this. When I go home two or three times a year to my small hometown in Pennsylvania, um, and uh, I have my mom and my grandmother, neither of whom drive, one of the first things that they ask me to do is, you know, one, drive them to the grocery store, and two, drive them to the post office. And then I get to spend about two and a half, three hours at the post <laughs> office listening to them talk. Okay, and get caught up on what's getting yep. on going on in the community. Because um, the postal service also those people also know everybody. Sure. So if you if you need to know if somebody's doing okay, 
you ask the people at the post office because they know. They know if, oh, has so-and-so come out of the hospital yet or has so-and-so done this? Or I'm with you on that. Well, I mean, and in, in, in you just gave an example of a snippet of conversation that I overheard last year when I took my mother and my grandmother to the post office. Uh, the uh, uh, person behind the counter at the post office uh, they were, you know, asked by my mother, how so-and-so doing? And he said, apparently not well, because they haven't been in in the last four days to get their mail from their uh, box at the post office. Now, he probably was violating some sort of... Oh. Okay. <laughs> All kinds of rules, rules about are, privacy so, yeah, and HIPAA okay. and God knows what else. Okay. But, but he merely commented that probably not all that well so that immediately led my mother to conclude that she needed to call oh yeah go check okay call to, and, check to, on and, I, yeah. and i was just amazed by <laughs> this method the network <laughs> yeah right of of how you find um, information out yeah. i mean because for many of us you know with the cell phone that is you know either permanently attached to our thumbs or to our ears our network is Okay, I'm going to go ahead and shoot a group text and find out if we all know what's going on with somebody who's no longer responding. Right? Right. But in a small town, that's not how they do things. No. Okay. Um, Even people who have cell phones in small no. towns. Yeah. I mean, yeah. my stepbrother lives in the same town my parents live in. He would never dream of doing that. He would ask somebody. He yeah. would say, you know, who, who, do you, who do we know can... Tell me something, and you go find that person and ask them. And working at the post office in a small town is a position of importance and prestige. Yes. And people work there forever. Ever, right? Like, they retire when they're 967 years, years old. old. That's right. They don't, they don't, you know, like, oh, I'll put in my 20 years and no. go off to, no. you know, no. Tahiti. and no. Oh, no, 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 no. They have been at the post office since they were 22 or 23, and they're 90. And they're just now retiring because that's... Yeah, the the the. It's the hub of it's the hub of a town, but it's you're right. There's also prestige, and it used to be that you had to take the civil servants exam. I assume you still do. You still do. And so you had there's a certain intellectual level that's respected. There's a certain, um, just that you are a government official. You are doing the government's work, and I think local and in, people tend to have a respect for that. And in the previous podcast. Uh, uh, about the post office and stamps, one of the comments that was made was um, about the trust. Um, the United States Postal Service, despite all the jokes that are made about, you know, the mail, why am I getting all this junk mail? They're always raising the price of stamps, etc. The United States Postal Service is still one of the government institutions that has high public approval rating um, because. Um, you know, it still has these kind of vital functions. It has historically, and it still has. It's one of those remarkable government institutions that has changed to kind of sort of meet the the needs of, you know, changing American life. Um, so when the Internet did hit big in the late 90s, I recall all these commentators, all this kind of prediction that the United States Postal Service would no longer be needed. Well, many have now argued it's needed more now than it probably was needed in post-World War II America. And um, 
Um, and now you have people saying perhaps we ought to move away from the electronic media and electronic communication and get back to this era where people actually went to a physical structure and met people face to face. This is what uh, Robert Putnam discusses um, in his book, uh, Bowling Alone. Uh, social capital in American community, American communities has declined because more of us no longer have face-to-face interactions. And one of his measures is uh, the fact that many people don't go to places or don't engage in activities like the post office. Hey, I love the post office. I, this year, decided I would write my sister a short story, and I'm doing it on postcards. So I went to the post office and I said, hi, I need 365 postal stamps for postcards. And the very nice man said, I'm sorry, what? Um, because that sounds like something a crazy person would request. And I explained to him my project and he got all excited about my project. And then he started saying, ooh, can I get you some postcards? And what can we do? That You know, he wanted to help. He wanted to be a part, a tiny part of this project because... He yes. was interested in somebody mm-hmm. who was interested in what they do. And my sister said to me, I love getting those because they're mail. They're real mail. What she gets is junk mail and bills. And then every few days she gets a postcard from me with three sentences on it, which I'm slowly probably driving her crazy because it's going to take me forever to write this short story. But it also is there's something pleasurable about receiving something that someone took the time to stop and write and put a stamp on and and go through that process that I think is different than texting. Texting is a very, it's a very quick medium. And sometimes when you just need to figure out what time you're meeting for dinner, a text (laughs) solves that question. But sometimes you need to have a more drawn out. uh, There's something to be said about a letter. There's something to be said about receiving a letter. And I'm with Hillary. There's something cool about postal stamps. There's something neat about picking out the ones you want and, and, you know, having having it make a statement about you, right? Like my mother always gets the birds and the flowers ones because those are her favorite things. I always get Muppets because I'm slightly ridiculous, right? So I like to have, I know, you're, I can see from your face more than slightly. Um, but I, I, <laughs> I like, s- you said I nothing. S- no, I, I know, said nothing. you said nothing. I saw your, I saw your eyes. So, but it, I but, think but, that but, there's but, something, there's something in it for everyone. And then that's marvelous about that is that you, in part, it's a creative thing that you put on the front that says something about you, right? You're patriotic, and so you pick the flag or you pick but the bit, Lady but, Liberty. But even to your point about receiving um, snail mail, right? Uh, my sister, a few years ago, when she got her cell phone, uh, forgot her first cell phone, and, and she works for a hospital in a small town in Pennsylvania. So, I mean, they didn't really need a cell phone. But when she got one, I was just like, hey, cool. I can just go ahead and send you a text, right? And, and that worked for like, you know, half a year. And then all of a sudden, just out of the blue, we were talking on the phone and she goes, you know what I really miss? And I thought she was going to go ahead and men- mention something of our childhood. And I said, no, what? And she said, you mailing me a letter once a month. And I was just like, huh? And she goes, yeah. She goes, uh, my Ph.D. brother would stop and actually write me a letter once a month. And she said, and I could go back and reread them. And I said, well, you can reread my text. And she goes, yeah, but she goes, it's not the same. She goes, it doesn't, she goes, your texts have your infamous sarcasm, but your letters have more. 
And I, and I said, really? And she goes, yeah. She goes, you don't recognize it because you're the one who's writing it. Hmm. She goes, but as the, you know, I'm the audience here. And she goes, and she goes, I can actually go back, you know, decades of you writing me letters once a month. And I said, you've kept those? And she was just like, yes. She goes, I can even tell what your mood's like because of, as you just mentioned, the stamps that I purchased and stuck on the envelope. I said, wow, I think you might be reading a little much into my moods. And she goes, no, I'm not thinking that. Because <laughs> she goes, there were a few of the stamps where I'm like, what's my older brother doing with X stamp, right? <laughs> she goes, I wanted to see the reaction on your face when you were offered that as a choice. <laughs> But there is. It's a creative endeavor. Mail is a creative endeavor in some ways. Yeah. yeah. And I think we, we sometimes forget that in the well, electronic it, it, age. Yeah. I mean, I, and, you know, I have a choice. For instance, I get Sports Illustrated uh, every week, right? Um, I can get the digital version. I still insist on getting the hard copy. Why? Because there's two hours out of every weekend where I basically just set aside and I don't do any work. I don't do any grading. Okay, I don't, you know, do anything other than I put on some music, I read my Sports Illustrated, and drink a whole bunch of coffee. You drink a whole bunch of coffee all the time anyway. Yeah, well, if I was going to go ahead and share that <laughs> anecdote about my life and I didn't mention that I was going to drink coffee, some people are going to wonder if it wasn't it was you. you right? like, oh, like yeah, a, do- <laughs> a doppelganger's in there sitting there with me. And like, yeah, he was making that wonder up. wonder who that guy is. <laughs> yeah, right. I, the I, voice sounds the same, but... Yeah, I, yeah. I love it when people send me cards and letters, but it's pretty rare. Yeah. So I wish there was more of that. All right, so I have one last question for you. Yes. So when I'm Postmaster General, yes, I'm going to name all the post offices after myself. <laughs> no, you're not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not really because that would be silly. Um, and but, it would be really hard to figure out which one to go to. Go to the Nia Rogers post office which one of the millions so they just named a post office in january um after um a musician and i've uh, marvin gay yes a fantastic musician and and i was and it's in la which i guess is where he passed away that's right and it's where his family lives so how do you how do you get a post okay let's just say that I want to name a post office after Hillary because Hillary's fantastic. Hillary Miller, scholarly librarian, post office. Yes. Which would be a really long name for that. <laughs> but anyway, how do I how do I get one named for Hillary? Actually, there is a committee of the United States Postal Service Commission, okay, that um, has that responsibility. Not the stamp committee. No, that's a different one. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, so she doesn't pr- have to be dead for three years, right? Like, she doesn't have to be dead for me to name a post office after uh, her? No, they've actually named post offices after uh, people who are still alive. Okay, good. Okay, the general rule of thumb Good, because is- I'm not willing to let Hillary go just to name a post office Okay, after. well... <laughs> Yeah, that would be a little bit morbid. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, you know, I love. Although that'd lo- be a great way to insult somebody, wouldn't it? When you, if you just say, "Oh, I hope they name a post office after you soon," <laughs> the implication there is pretty, uh, it's pretty intense. And then people will walk away going, "Thanks," and then they'll think about it and go, "Hey, wait a minute." 
Sorry. That would just be, I mean, you know, if you're going to think about ways to insult people without really doing it, like if you're a passive-aggressive insulter, that would be one way to go about it. But anyway. It sounds like (laughs) you might have some experience as this Being slightly passive-aggressive insulter. Oh, yeah. No, no. Oh, not me. Pshaw. Yeah. See earlier note about putt-putt. I, yeah. Yeah. So... uh, Basically, it's a committee that has rules and regulations, just like the you know commemorative stamp committee. Um, okay. And you know the basic idea, I mean, the, the committee first arose in part when the country's population began to explode. Um, you know, so the, the the most recent round was you know post World War II. I mean, we just had a huge explosion of of, of the American population. You have migration of people, right? So you know we're building new post offices. So you know, you know, are we going to name them? You know, <laughs> I mean, because in small, in some small communities, they just have a number. Right. They don't have a name, right? And the numbering system does not seem to be logical. I no. think it's just in order of what they're when they're built. That's right. Because you can so, have two towns terms. with post offices near each other, yeah. and they have vastly different numbers. Yes. Okay, so okay. it's not like area codes where no. they go in certain chunks. And and usually what happens is uh, a member of Congress, either a House of Representative or uh, a senator from a state, um, makes a request to the committee. Can the committee, you know, reject their request or reject their suggestion? Sure. Also remember, you got to be a little careful about that if you're the United States you know, Postal Commission, because, you know, you, your status. Because you're a, we're going to put air quotes <laughs> around independent, independent corporation. corporation. Right. Right. Like, okay. I mean, you know. Yeah. Right. Okay. okay. So you want to get along with Congress Mercy. because it behooves you to get along with Congress. That's what I think we've discussed earlier with almost every agency. Yeah. I mean, it's it, just better to get along than not get along. Yeah. I mean, for, for various reasons. I mean, you know, cooperation does make the government work. Yes. Right. Mostly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and when you have less of it, now you've it given. It works less. Yeah, you you give people in positions of authority to go ahead and say, "Yeah, I'm not going to help them out." <laughs> okay. I don't like that person. So, and we don't like that institution anymore. They told me they hoped I'd got a postage stamp soon. Yeah. I don't. I don't like her anymore. anymore. Yeah. Right. Um. So, so do I have to prove that Hillary's a good person? I uh, mean, are they generally named after? Is oh, it, it like it, somebody who's local to the spot who did a awesome thing or is yeah it... usually it's named after you know either somebody from that community or somebody from that state so there's a small town in pennsylvania that's got the uh, jimmy stewart post office oh right that's awesome uh, i think it's located near indiana pennsylvania where jimmy stewart was you know born okay, okay? um now he, that's a no-brainer right you well know? yeah because jimmy stewart yeah I'm like no yeah. offense hillary but you're no jimmy stewart <laughs> right. okay uh, she's smiling <laughs> That's good. She didn't take my Jimmy Stewart impression right now. <laughs> yeah, you might want to skip the Jimmy Stewart impression. But but I do like that you're smiling about that. We have, uh, by the way, listeners, we've reserved an entire future episode where the three of us will just do our uh, favorite best in impersonations. <laughs> you're not going to want to miss that episode. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of one person I can impersonate besides myself. Anyway, I'll have to give that some thought. This is Augie as a nice person. (laughs) Oh, well, if we're going to do that. This is Nia as a non-ridiculous person. 
<laughs> this is what the podcast sounds like when I'm being serious. Oh, hey, um, maybe we could do. I can't. Uh, Rod, that uh, didn't even sound serious. That I just. I mean, sounded could we weird. do an entire podcast like in British accents? Oh my gosh, can we do one while we do silly walks? Because that would be awesome if we could do a silly walks. I, I, I'm you know, not, the Ministry of Silly Walks from uh, yes, Monty I, Python. I am familiar with okay. it. I was just, just making sure. Okay, I, I, was, you know. I was just running that through my head. Uh, yeah, I don't know how uh, we do that in an uh, audio uh, thing. But yeah, yeah. So, but anyways, if anybody uh, could figure it out, it'd be John Cleese. We should invite him on. That'd be great. You're if gonna, he's listening to this, we'd love to have you on. So you're gonna you're gonna toss uh, Hillary and me aside for John Cleese? Nice. Oh heck yeah! If he would come do the podcast, who I are you guys? I, I see where we stand here. <laughs> Just below John Cleese, he's the only one I toss you over for. <laughs> That's so. Anyways, it, it is or, or Madeline Albright. I toss you over for Madeline Albright. Really? Yeah, she's okay. awesome. All right. I'd love to ask her all kinds of questions. I'd like to ask any Secretary of State all kinds of questions. I find that whole thing fascinating. But that has nothing to do with naming a post office. Unless we're going to name one after Madeleine Albright, in which case I'm all in. Yeah, we haven't had one named after her yet. Okay. But we should. Yeah. Because she's awesome. Yeah. The the naming process is is much like the deliberative process in regards to uh, uh, commemorative stamps. And that is, you know... um, uh, we don't have the requirement that the person has to be dead, um, okay. But that's generally the norm. Um, okay. There's a fair amount of research that goes into it. Um, the naming of post offices, much like uh, the selection of commemorative stamps, has become much more diverse. So you see people like Marvin Gaye. I mean, let's face it. Um, uh, you know, as, as recently as the 1980s, you're not going to see a post office named after an African-American rhythm and blues singer, okay? Because most of them are named after dead white, du- uh, du- dead white dudes, okay? Yeah. Um, um, and a few dead white ladies. Yeah. But generally speaking, speaking yeah. not persons of color. Never, no. Um, okay. Not particularly diverse, not a whole lot of women, yeah. not a whole lot and, of... And also understand, too, that in a lot of communities, yeah, it's not much of an interest they, uh, to, to name a post office after somebody, right? Well, if, the nice thing is those seem to go through Congress pretty quickly. Oh, yes, they do. Because yeah. nobody seems to object. No, you can't name that after Hillary. No, it's She's actually, a terrible person. I mean, it, it, they don't... First of all, I guess you wouldn't put somebody up who was a terrible person. Hillary's fabulous, so I wouldn't have any trouble with that. But you'd also have to be careful, I suppose. I mean, I assume that's why they get vetted. So yes. that if there was some, if it turns yeah. out that Hillary kicks puppies on the weekends or whatever, you don't, do you? No, absolutely oh, not. Oh, good. She's wonderful. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that you don't, because that makes me happy. But, like, it... it <laughs> If if you if you so they vet you to make sure there's sure. not something uh-huh. like that in your past, but then they seem to go through pretty quickly. When I watch C-SPAN, which I can see Hillary out of the corner of her eye judging me for saying watch C-SPAN, but yeah, you got to be careful, Hillary. But yeah, it's an, both of us watch C-SPAN. Uh, yeah, it's a known yeah. thing in this room. We are we are C-SPAN watchers. Um, they they seem to go through pretty quickly. They'll stand up and they make the announcement, yes. and then they yeah. say something commemorative about the person. Yes, and then. They, you know, ta-da, yeah. there it is. And then I so I assume they go back to their district and they, they what, inaugurate the, yes. the uh, name? They, yeah, and, they, and, and if the person is already passed, they get family members to show up. And, I mean, this is the kind of thing that uh, falls into the category of, of uh, pork barrel legislation, right? You know, I'm bringing something home that's important to the community. I've either got, you know, either uh, 
uh, I convinced the Postal Commission to you know build a post office here, or I've convinced the uh, Congress to not get rid of this post office. And oh yeah, by the way, uh, I got the post office renamed for one of our famous um, sons or daughters. Um, and so, I mean, this is a win-win for like everybody, right? You know, uh, a, a senator from California is not going to go ahead and say to a senator from Virginia, I can't understand why you just went ahead and named a post office in Giles County for so-and-so. Nobody right. cares, right? Or they don't care in California, right? It's not they, worth fighting about. But yeah, I mean, this is the kind of thing that, but again, it's important to the community. Because if the community can go ahead and say, this is important, we want our senator to, you know, to get this uh, uh post office named for this person, um, it has the potential to bring a community, you know, closer together. Yeah. 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 And it's fun. Yeah. It's a fun thing to, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a nice, um, pleasant way. Yes. To, to have ownership from the community over the post office, making something that seems very flat and not, um, yeah, I mean, because... It, I mean, the post office is by nature a sort of a bland, right? Like the post office is supposed to be sort of tapioca pudding, right? It's not supposed to yeah. startle you or be yeah. all sparkly, shiny, The, the Postal Commission does not spend a whole bunch of money on um, groundbreaking avant-garde <laughs> architecture for yeah. for post not, offices. Not not so much with that. Not so much with the, um, you know. I mean, it's kind of sort of like. The upside-down pyramid kind of You know, know it's kind of sort of like, you know, what the Postal Commission is willing to pay for a copyright that will be the basis for a commemorative stamp. You know, here, here's the general amount we pay. We ain't going above it, right? So yeah, if you want more than that, that then yeah, yeah, we're going somewhere, somewhere else. else. Yeah, we're going someplace else. Exactly. You know, and, and likewise with you know the building of post offices, there's pretty much like four or five standard designs. I actually looked this up because I was just like, I've never been truly amazed by the architecture of any post office, <laughs> right? Yeah, they don't look like the Smithsonian <laughs> no. or the Supreme Court. They don't look like no. the Capitol. No, no. And in many instances, the post offices will find an existing government building that's already been built, that's already in the inventory uh, for the general services, either already owned by the federal government or owned by state and local government who wants to get rid of the building. And then they'll take it over. That's it. Ah. Yeah. Again. Hey, the, we'll buy your building for a buck, <laughs> man. Yeah, the United States Postal Service, okay, isn't going to go ahead and just awe us with the architecture <laughs> of the buildings, right? Again, they don't have to. Right. Because if you think about their purpose historically, okay, they were designed to go ahead and bring people together through, you know, economic, commercial. Um, you know, it, it's like John Marshall said in uh, Gibbons versus Ogden. Um, commerce is a way of communicating with one another. And the post office has always facilitated that. Um, and we sometimes forget about how the United States Postal uh, Service has done that throughout our country's history, okay? They've allowed us, they've given us a structure or a system to communicate with one another. And that's a pretty darn good thing as far as I'm concerned in a country that is as big as the United States is geographically, but also in terms of population. Yeah, it it serves our diversity well. It's yeah. a, it's a yeah. fabulous thing. And, it, and um, we come back to what we always come back to, which is there will be um, links to 
some of the material that Hillary found um, about stamps and um, their copyright. And there'll be links to a couple of the cases that Augie mentioned in case you want to read up about what postmaster generals have been allowed to do and not allowed to Mm. do over the years, because that's fascinating. And uh, we thank you for listening. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.